0: This is the Five Point Play Podcast, the Die Hard Duke Basketball Fans Podcast, the Quarantine Podcast. (laughs) We have to figure out a lot of different things. Obviously, who's coming, who's going? Trey has already said, Thank you very much for your services at Duke. I'm headed to the NBA. We Mm -hmm. expect Ronnie Carey to follow suit. But instead of that, we're going to say, You know what? Speaking of Trey, who was the ACC Defensive Player of the Year. I have to ask a question. AC, was Trey and Goldwire the best backcourt in Duke history?
1: Defensively. Ooh. ooh, We're getting right into it, huh? I have to do you know, it. Let me, let me get another sip of this wine, man. <laughs> 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 well, what, what, what kind of wine? Let, so let me tell you. So before sh- small short story, before every podcast or during every podcast, I always have something. I can think of maybe two that we've done in the past two seasons where I didn't have anything with me. Today I have a Fantini two thousand fifteen Montepulciano di De delicious. Okay. Blackberry notes, okay. boysenberry notes. Oh my god, what a great year too. Ah, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> look every look every podcast hey, can you, I can give you enough.
0: He's been
1: Oh, absolutely! Of course, of course. Every every podcast, I can give you an update on what I got. That's 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 got to become a thing, I think, because yeah, I got one every 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 show, man. But uh, no, anyway, God, we're getting right into it. All right, so best offensive backcourt ever. Good lord, so man, there's been a few because you had Dawkins and Amaker. What, what a what an incredible tandem that was. Then we got, shoot, man. Then you go, J. Will and Duhan. They were tough. Yeah. You can you can give a nod. I don't think they're gonna fit with the category, but you can give a nod to to Nolan and Shire just because of the the way Kay had them play defense. They didn't create a bunch okay. of steals, but they were just solid. But I, I wouldn't throw them in, in that range. And then I think I think next in like like there's been a few, but I think those these three I think Goldwire, Trey, Jay Will and Duhan and Amaker and Dawkins are like the three groups that we're talking about as like the best defensive yeah. backcourts. I can't think of another backcourt that Duke has had that's been better than those, that combo. And, man, I think I'm going to have to give my vote to Jay Will and Duhan. I'm partial to them, man. I really am. Like, yeah,
0: I, I, I really wanted you to say something else because you know, I wanted to argue with you. I, I can't <laughs> do it. I can't do it because you're absolutely right. I think Duhon is one of the more underrated defenders in Duke mm-hmm. history.
1: Not to mention, you had Battier playing basically float defense on anyone on the court, which just made what they did even that much better. Like Dawkins and Amaker, like let's not get it twisted. I, I was young when they when they were playing, so I don't one thousand percent remember every single game they played. But I've seen I've seen the replays, and I know how good they were as a tandem. I know how good Amaker was. I know what he did against UNC and against Jordan at times and I know how good Dawkins was, but man, just watching the way Jay will and, and Duhan hunted steals and, and just hounded other teams, guards for 40 minutes, man. It was, it was incredible. And then to have for Jay will to have the, the energy to go to the other side of the court. Both of those guys are top 10 in steals, by the way, in Duke history. I just would like to point that out. <laughs> they were just, they were dogs on D man. Like they, they just went after guys and they had the attitude for it. Like they were like, they didn't like the guys that they were playing against. They, they didn't like the teams in the arenas they were playing in. And they just brought that attitude. And Duhan, he was the architect for K for years for picking up steals on the weak side off return passes. And I haven't seen anybody pick up steals the way he did, except for this year with Goldwire, the way he was able to get some hands on balls at times. Pause. But, um, but, but yeah, man, I, I got to give it to Duhan Williams. I do. So you
0: already called Duhan the architect. Mm -hmm. Well, we already know that Zion is the conductor. So, we're running out of nicknames here, but I will say to try to transition to this year, Trey and Goldwater, where do you rank them in terms of the best defensive backcourt? (sighs) Oof.
1: See, I wish wish we had a bigger sample size for them because we really only had one year of them doing it together. So, I, I... Sure. Out, out of the three that out of the three groups we've mentioned, I'd put them third. I think I think Amaker and Dawkins have they have a little more of a history together with it. They got to do it for a couple more years. Duhan and, and Jay Woe, like we we already said, the number one. They got two years at it, but those two years were just so so special and phenomenal. I I, I really do. I I, I got to put them third, but it's again you think about how many in in K's era, just K's era alone, how many different backcourts we've had, and to have for those guys. You know, to to be for us to consider those guys even in the top five is amazing, let alone the third best defensive backcourt that we've had at Duke. And I, I think that's really accurate.
0: So let's, let's, let's switch it over a little bit about Trey right now. So Trey was just named the ACC Defensive Player of the Year. Mm-hmm. I got to be honest with you, like, I think he was better defensively last year. Yeah. Or this year. I think um, you're right. Now I do I, I do agree that you know honestly Jordan played uh more minutes this year and for the majority of it he was fantastic. Mm-hmm. But all things considered I thought I thought Trey was better last year. So I, I, I can't put Trey and Jordan this year as defensive backcourt. I can't do it.
1: I, Interesting. Yeah, I, it, I can't you know what helps Trey you know what helps is it's it's having, and we've I've mentioned it already once with Duhana Williams, mentioned, and we, they didn't have it really with Dawkins and Amaker, but it helps when you have a good help defender. Like having a good help defender makes you more confident with what you do out on on the end, on the perimeter, like 25, 30 feet away from the basket. It gives you more confidence to say, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go at this dude right here, and if he gets me with a crossover and gets inside, I got some help down there. You know, yeah. Williams had that with Battier, so they were able to just play as far out as they wanted to. You know what oh, I mean? Three. Like, and and even like if you look at, at the way Greg Paulson and JJ Redick and were able to play defense at times, Daniel Ewing, you know, that's not a great defensive backcourt by any stretch of the imagination. But that that group picked up a lot of steals. I think I think it's a team, that team has they're like maybe third in Duke history or something like that in terms of steals for a season in two thousand four, and it's because you had Sheldon Williams in the back. Not 2004, sorry, 2006. He had Sheldon Williams in the back. That guy was patrolling the back. He was able to do what he wanted to do. You know, Trey and Goldwire this year didn't have that. So what they did without having a help defender, I thought was pretty incredible.
0: It's, it's tough to argue because those teams that you talked about, especially. So I look at. Uh, so my number one was Jay Will and Duhan. Mm-hmm. Because I thought that Duhan was one of the more underrated players defensively in Duke history.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I thought that he was able to man the point of attack better than anybody I've ever seen.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Better than Wojo. Better than uh, but better, better than anybody. So I had to always put Duhan at the top, and nobody ever does that. But Duhan to me was always the best at picking mm-hmm. up the point of attack. And it starts at the point of attack when you're talking about best defensive backwards. Mm-hmm. And you moved off Jay Will. So you moved Jay Will to the second, you know, defender. So Jay Will benefited from the fact that Duhon was so good on the ball. So yep. to me, that was always the best. This year, it was very similar where you had Jay Gold picking up the point of attack and allowing Trey, who should have won the best Defensive player of the year last year. Mm-hmm. He won it this year, and I think he won it this year because of last year. Am I wrong on that? Mm. I no. don't think he was as yeah. this year as he was last year.
1: I don't think he was as I don't think he was as steady on the defensive end as he was last year. I thought I thought this year, this season he had a little bit of a lull there in the middle in the middle of, of January and February, and I thought he recovered from it well, especially you know, as we saw against UNC, against Cole Anthony at the end of the season. I thought I thought Gold, Goldwire was a great backcourt mate for Trey because Goldwire was able to take some of Trey's assignments and right. and do more with him. I honestly I don't disagree with you. I thought I thought this year, quite honestly, Goldwire was the better defender this season. I really did. I agree. And, I agree with that. And just you you see how many times he tipped passes and got his hands on dribbles. It was it was amazing to me, man. Like every every and then that sequence against Notre Dame against Rex Fluger just kind of summed up Goldwire's season in a nutshell on the defensive end where he just locked the dude up and just just ruined just ruined his day. But I mean, I, I really I really thought Goldwire was better this season, but that's not to say Trey wasn't good. And I think you're right. I think Trey winning ACC player of the year it it does something for the ACC to have their player of the year also win defensive player of the year. You know, I mean, it, it gives some validation there, maybe a little bit, but I, I don't, I don't disagree that he won it because he should have won it last year, this season. But I also don't think he didn't do anything this season to to not earn it because there was no better defender, maybe outside of Jordan Goldwire, than than Trey this season in the ACC.
0: So I want to finish this off because he said a lot of different things. But one thing that I was going to mention was Goldwire didn't get a single vote. No. For all defensive. Not one. That's ridiculous.
1: Not one. That's, is, how, how crazy is that, right? Like, I mean, the, the do right? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't, like, I don't get that one at all. I don't. And it's not like it's a thing where, oh, he didn't get a vote because he only played 15 minutes a game. I mean, in ACC play, he was playing over 25 minutes a game. Like, so let's not get it twisted. The dude was an everyday rotation player. Sure. So it wasn't like his stats came from end of game picking up against the scrubs. He was starting games and playing the team's best defender for the most part. Our best offensive player for the most part. I mean, no, there's no way. What, what, a, what a travesty that he didn't get a single vote for all defensive team.
0: Yeah, so that's actually something that we could probably spend an entire segment on. Uh, or, or probably an entire podcast on, which is, you know, the the voters that make these decisions. Um, and it's it part, of, part of my point where, like, Trey Jones won the defensive player of the year this year, but he probably should have won it last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't win it last year because of the voters. Mm-hmm. My point has always been that the voters in this situation... They're doing it for different reasons, and like they're not actually watching the games. Right. So if you're watching the games, it wouldn't be Trey Jones the defensive player of the year. You can argue that Jordan Goldwire is the defensive player of the year.
1: Yep. Well, it goes back it's like it's like in Major League Baseball. It's like the guys who won't won't vote for a guy the first time he's on a ballot. So you get a player like Tim right. Griffey Jr. who only gets on, only quote unquote only gets ninety percent of the ninety six percent of the vote when he's when he's on the ballot the first time when everyone on the planet earth knows that he should have been a unanimous hall of famer first time in mariano Mariano rivera finally got finally broke that that streak or whatever but like you're saying it's just it's it's opinion and and morality based voting for the most part and you got guys who vote in the acc for you know for the all defensive teams all you know player of the year teams, play all player teams and all that type of thing who are staunch Or at least were until about 2012, staunchly against against putting freshmen on certain teams. It's like, come on, man. Like, reward a guy for having a good season. Like, bottom line, just reward the player for having a good season. Uh, So, yeah, I don't know. I don't get it.
0: It's tough to justify. And whoever was the voter that did not vote their Jeter. Yeah. As a unanimous, you know, <laughs> to, to yeah. keep him from being a unanimous home family, it, it, doesn't, it, it defies all logic. Next play. Uh, move, moving on, though, AC. I do want to ask you a question, though. Mm-hmm. Are you ready for this? Okay, here we go. Okay, so... Cassius Stanley did an Instagram Live a couple of days ago, mm-hmm. and he said, you yeah, know, it's Duke's shirt on, Duke's sweatshirt, and... Joey Baker came on there and he said, "You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna spike it up a little bit." And he said, <laughs> "Coming back." And there was a couple other th- tweets going on, and uh, so a lot of social media was going on. Mm-hmm. So let's let's turn it over to Cassius Stanley. Is Cassius Stanley coming back to Duke?
1: Man, ah, uh, God, dude. So we we've mentioned we've talked about this before. Not having a tournament, I think, has changed a trajectory for a few players. And I think he's one of them. Not having a tournament and then not having a combine to go to. Because I think Cassius would have gone to the combine and, and shown out. And everything he did during the season would have been validated at that point in the eyes of the NBA. And he would have been a surefire first rounder. But as it stands right now, he's not he can play his way into that next season with another season, especially as the guy on the team, like the scoring option. So that's something I think the league's gonna want to look at because quite honestly, I don't think anybody wants to to draft another Zaire Smith, the kid from Texas Texas a couple of years ago that came into the tournament kind of like, eh, no 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 pro value really at that point. And then a couple of three sixty alley oops and some good defensive play later, all of a sudden he's a lottery pick. So I think Cassius was kind of in that same, same realm. And he's going to get compared the same way as that guy, even though Cassius is my opinion is a better basketball player. So it, for the question, is he going to come back? I think it can help his stock. He's one of those few guys. I think it would absolutely help his stock if he was to come back this season, but will he do it? I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a big, it's a big decision that he's going to have to make. And I think fans are kind of taking the the Instagram posts and the Twitter posts and, you know, the fans want him back. So they're taking that as every single one is a message about what he's going to do. And quite honestly, I don't think, I don't know that any of them are like even the, even the one, the edit that he posted with him, with his back turned to the camera it's black and white and all that type of stuff. I don't even know if that's a message as to what is going to happen with him outside of the caption. What's next? Like, and the problem I see what this is with the fans, especially, let's say he goes to the league, there's gonna be a lot of a lot of hurt feelings in Duke Nation if he leaves because it's gonna feel like it's gonna feel like he was trolling the fans the whole time, which I don't think has been his intent at all. I think he's just bored and he's on social media like any other twenty-year-old kid, college kid. So I, I think I think it would help his stock if he was to come back. What do I think he's gonna do? No idea, because I'm not in that kid's living room. I, if I had to put a vote on it, I would say he comes back. I think the Ooh. opportunities they are there in the backcourt for him to be the, the scoring option, the leader of the team, all the above, he didn't get a chance at the NCAA tournament. I know that's something that he's said is important to him, and I, and I have no reason to think it's not important to him. And I'm sure conversations with Trey and some other players who have been to the tournament may may or may not sway his decision on what he wants to do on top of yeah, he's going to get some feedback from the coaching staff as to, hey, man, like right now, this is how the league is looking at you, and this is what you're going to need to do. And without a combine, without a tournament, there's not really a, a place for you to showcase right now. So, you know, really, what are you going to do outside of private workouts? So I, I think I, I see, I can see him coming back. I really can. He he loves college. We heard it last time on the podcast from, from Duke.Waves, Andrew Danowitz. And... He, he loves Duke. He loves the atmosphere there. I, I can absolutely see a universe where he comes back.
0: Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, I could not be in more disagreement with you. Uh, okay. I don't see a situation where he comes back. So, if you're if you're conscious family mm-hmm. and you have the athletic ability that he has, um, the combine is being cancelled you would immediately think that hurts him, but everybody knows what his athletic abilities are. So it's not like that's going to hurt him. Everybody knows he can jump through the gym. Everybody knows his athletic ability. So actually, in my opinion, it's probably going to help him. So with that being said, and I saw the uh, social media posts, I saw the ones that you were talking about. To me, it doesn't really make any difference. Uh, if, If I was... If I was him, I would probably go just from the standpoint that your stock is high enough right now. Now, having said that, I agree with you on the standpoint that you know he's not projected to first round. He's not projected for you know much more than high second round, which, as we all know, means nothing. Having said that. If it were me, I would probably go, because if he comes back next year, let's say, and you know he averages 15 points and does the exact same thing that he's doing now, it's not going to increase his you know his profile. And I think that next year's drive is better than this year's. so yeah, I would probably I would probably pass my chances.
1: Interesting. So you think this? You think next year's draft is better than this one? I do. Yes. See, I I might disagree with that, and especially with all the talk of how bad quote college basketball is supposed to be this year. It's all we heard all season. That's the narrative uh, all season.
0: I don't think so. College I, basketball's I, I
1: bad. Teams are bad this year. Players are bad this year in college.
0: I, no, so they, that, no, that hurts you, the catches. All, I think. No. First of all, I don't think they're saying that college basketball players are bad. I think what are you silly. talking about?
1: We said it on the podcast how bad it was this season. If, if Peyton Pritchard is a first-team All-American, come on, man. College no, basketball is definitely down this year. Like, that is, that is a fact. Okay, Star power. Go. So I, I, did not, I did not want
0: this segment to be that long, but here we go. So <laughs> if we're going to talk about this, the overall body of work in terms of what you're looking for in the NBA, yeah, it's a lot down. Do you not understand that? It's, a, it's, it's much further down in terms of what the NBA is looking for. If Obi, That's my point. Who, You're if my point Obi, right now. If, if, if Obi, who was not even talked about last year, is now talked about as a top 10 guy. He's now a top 10 guy. Mm-hmm. The guy
1: the guy from Dayton. And you think that that couldn't happen for Cassius this season? Because Obi Toppin totally transformed his game in terms of being able to shoot. He added the corner three, which okay, the, so NBA, let, the NBA covets wait, the corner sure,
0: sure. three. So, so let me turn it around on you then. Let me turn it around to you. Do you think that Cassius, knowing his game and not being a homer, do you think that Cassius' game is going to t- turn that much that he would be a top 10 pick?
1: I absolutely Come think, on, there, are aspects, on, I absolutely on, think there are aspects of it. Okay, well, let me talk. I absolutely okay. think there are aspects of his game that can, that can improve his NBA stock. Number one, the corner three. This year, Cassius Cash Stanley shot in the 20% on the corner three this season, whereas his wing threes, he was over almost over 40%. He's a wing three-point shooter right now. That's not what the NBA wants. It's not what they need. They don't look for it. They don't want it. Top of the key, corner threes. Bottom line, you can ask any scout. Defensively, he couldn't prove himself defensively because, as we've talked about already, Trey and Goldwire were handling all the assignments. Because Cassius is not going to come into the league as a star for anybody. He's not coming in as anyone's number two or number three option. Okay, so he's, why would he be he's a
2: top stuck 10 stuck in the mire.
1: I'm not saying top 10, but I'm saying he can move himself into the lottery. Absolutely. Because he's Bullshit. not. He's right This season, he's stuck in the mire of wing players. So that's why he's being oh looked God. at as a second round pick. If you want to guarantee, you need to be guaranteed for first round. He doesn't have a guaranteed first round. So that means no guaranteed contract right now for Cassius Stanley. That's a big deal. That's a big deal when you can play yourself into a guaranteed contract. And he can absolutely do that. I mean, I, I'm... Me shaking
0: my head over. I, no, I'm, I'm wrong. Prove me wrong. Don't Sh- shake
1: your head. Prove me wrong. I'm
0: shaking my head over here. Like, like,
1: okay, well, that, nobody that, can that, see you shaking your head. It's a podcast. We don't have <laughs> video.
0: <laughs> we don't have video yet. Uh, no, how do not said that. Okay, so you're talking about him, you know... You're not even making a sense, like...
1: First round. How, don't just throw out fun facts like I'm not making any sense, because that's just an empty statement. And I know how much you hate empty statements. Fair enough. I love that. <laughs> Come back at me.
0: Come back at me. I love that. Um, but having said that, okay, well, so we're talking about the first round, right? That's what mm-hmm. you were talking about? Absolutely. Guaranteed round. contract. You, you, Yeah. You actually threw out lottery.
1: I think he can play his way into the lottery. Absolutely. <laughs> For next year's crop of uh, guards? Absolutely. Name a guard on, next year that's gonna come into the draft as okay, the guy. So name l- name l- some players right
0: question. now. L- l- Let me ask you a question. Do you find a guy that is like Cassius Stanley? And I love Cassius. I'm I'm going long for him to come back. I really would. Do you honestly come on AC, tell me the truth? Do you honestly think that he's gonna come back? and be a lottery pick come on ac come yeah. on AC.
1: If, if he comes back as the number come one on, awesome for a team like duke that is going to be a top 10 team next season all year long and he's the number one score for the squad yes absolutely i think he would be a lottery pick with his athleticism okay, so- as you've already lauded his athleticism is so good he doesn't even need the combine All right. So check check in that check in that regard, because every year athletes get guarded, get picked in the lottery that shouldn't have no business being picked in the lottery. Do you not do you not agree with that statement?
0: I completely agree.
1: Okay. so now you have a guy who's actually skilled at basketball, who has that same elite athleticism, NBA elite athleticism. All right. Twenty years old. Next season, he'll be 21. So he's in the twilight of where his lottery pick is going to be, whether or not he's going to be there or not. All right. Then you add in that he does the things that the NBA covets from a 6'6 guard, such as shooting in the corner three, playing defense, and showing the ability to drive the ball in a system right now where it's all pick-and-roll based. Yeah, I absolutely think he'd be a lottery pick.
0: All right. Uh, let's it move checks on. all the boxes. All right. Speaking of, which, play. speaking of which, a guy that came in this year wanted to be one-and-done mm-hmm. and was not, clearly is not a one-and-done. Mm-hmm. in my opinion, no. Matthew Hurt. So we have heard, we had uh, Andrew DeBandellis, Duke Wave on here on our last podcast talking about Matthew Hurt and and you know, his uh, appearance on, on campus and whatnot, but I want to hear from you, AC. Matthew Hurt came in wanting to be one and done. His dad, obviously, wanted him to be one and done. Mm-hmm. I get it. I am one hundred percent. One, I one hundred percent. Get it. Mm-hmm. Nothing that he did this year warrants him being one and done. Mm-mm. Having said that, does he jump anyway, or does he make the transfer? What does he do? Like, if you're, if you're Matthew Hurt, let me ask you this: If you're Matthew Hurt, what do you do?
1: If I'm hurt, I want to make sure that whoever Duke is bringing in is going to keep me out of the five position. And as much as he wants to be a three and wants to show the world that he's, he's a, a, a wing three in the NBA. I, I'm staying away from that too. Cause he's, he's neither one. He can't, he can't guard the wing. We've already seen that. And he really can't guard a post player one-on-one down low. He's a really good help defender. He fits in that kind of four mold. So why the talk is still, that he and his his family and such want him to be, a, uh, want him to be a three and and not where he is tailor made to be, which is a four, like that Euro style four. I don't get it. Having said that, I mean I'm 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 exactly I'm with you 100. percent He's not one and done. He started the season looking like he was in that trajectory and then faded really quickly. Strength was a problem. Stamina was a problem for him toughness was a problem for him he showed some very tough plays late in the season it was awesome to see it but they were kind of one-offs they they didn't they weren't consistent consistency is going to have to be his key in some of those areas like I, i liken him you know staying away from duke comparisons i really kind of liken him to uh zach collins out of gonzaga as to what he's going to be compared against in the nba and he's nowhere near that right now because collins is an exceptional defender and a really good athlete and and matt's he, that's that's what he needs to be able to show. He can run the floor, but he needs to be able to learn to defend, man. And having having a shortened off season and everything else like that, I don't know if that's going to help him a lot in in terms of of picking up defenses. Unless he just something clicks in his brain and he all of a sudden can do it. Because preseason, we heard from K, that's shown the best improvement on defense that he's seen over the summer and any Duke player in the past five years. So so uh, I don't know, nah, I don't know nah, where nah. the hell that was.
0: Okay, first of like, all, I'm gonna stop. I'm, I'm gonna stop it right there. So I said this on the same podcast when he, when, when Coach K said that about Matthew Hurt, I asked you straight up, was that just coach's speak? Mm-hmm. Tell me,
1: it was. I mean, it was. I was hoping it wasn't, and I, I, I could only take him at what he was saying, but it absolutely was just coaches speak. And again, like. The funny thing is, to start the season, Matt showed some of that ability. He showed the ability to block shots off the help. He showed the ability to help get into passing lanes and tip, tip passes and such. And then all of a sudden, it just went away. Like, he just couldn't do it anymore. Like, never again. Like, we didn't see it anymore to, to end the season. And and then you see him getting nine minutes a game, under 10 minutes a game for a player supposedly of that caliber. Like, yeah, man. Uh, mm. So then that begs the question, does another year at Duke – help him get into the draft and i don't think it does i think he's one of those guys on the three year three to four year path and whether that's transfer sit out a season and then your third season in college you come out as a redshirt sophomore but it's your third season in college you come out and ball out for somebody like i don't i mean somebody like gonzaga or somebody like that and then that puts you in the conversation And sure go ahead man have at it but i mean i i just he's he's on that that three-year path where what he's what he does and what he can do isn't going to translate until he's a junior in college it's just not because of his size he he doesn't have the quickness lateral quickness and things like that to make what he does better like he can't get a shot off the dribble yet that's a big deal he he has to be set up to get his threes that's a big deal he can't get a lot of shots off on the interior as easily as you would like to see him especially with the array of post moves that he actually does have that's a big deal so he's not a three Let's stop talking about him being a three. He's not a five. He fits that four mold. And he, if he's going to come back to Duke, there has to be a promise that one of Henry Coleman or Mark Williams or someone else is going to take the defensive assignments at the center position away from Matt Hurt because that's something he can't do.
0: Yeah, so there, 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 there is so much to uh, digest there from mm-hmm. what you just said. Um, having said that, I do believe that Moving him to okay, so here, here's what I've always had a problem with: that everybody that's been talking right now, message boards especially, oh Matthew Hurt can move to the five. Okay, well, first of all, there is no five in Duke's system. Mm-hmm. It's either you have it, or you don't have it. Like, like mm-hmm. there's no, there's no five. So to me, I'm fine moving Matthew Hurt to the five if I have Jalen Johnson. Wendell Moore, DJ Stewart, and so on. Mm -hmm. I'm okay with that. That's fine by me.
2: Right.
0: Because they have to match up with us too. Right. Now, having said that, I get your point, especially defensively. You know, how does Matthew hurt defend the players in the fight?
1: I get. it. And the other question that goes along with that, before we continue, the other question that you have to answer that is how how much is his offense worth on the defensive side of the ball? Yeah, and no, I get sometimes yeah for sure. For can, sure. can offset that
0: for sure. No, no, that's certainly something to consider. Uh, and I don't think that these are, you know, it's funny because we said this about this team. Um, you know, how was this going to work out defensively? Mm-hmm. You know, did you have to have Jack White or did you have to have Jabin in there uh, to offset the weakness that was Matthew Hurt defensively? Mm-hmm. We we talked about that. We yeah. we, we talked about that. So to me, it is, okay, so now we're talking about, okay, now we have Jalen Johnson, now we have Wendell, we have Stewart. Patrick Tepe.
1: I think Patrick Tepe is a big, <laughs> I, I think, I, not that I'm saying that he's going to come in and be some all-world player, but I think that's a sign that Kay is trying to get a five, or not a five, but a post defender on the team so that Matt doesn't have to do it. I think that's an absolute sign.
0: Okay, okay. So I'm I'm gonna put you back on the spot then, AC. I wasn't prepared for this. I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna extend this. You're not a bit
1: tape fan. To pay, I'm not a huge fan of to pay. Like, let's, oh, to pay.
0: One. Sorry, to pay, to pay. Yeah, get it right,
1: get it right, get it right. I I like watching tape. I don't like watching to pay. No, I'm kidding. Um, look, I I'm anybody. No, who no. Wants, anybody who wants
0: to- AC. Tell the audience the truth. You're <laughs> not a fan.
1: I think he's the same player as Antonio Vrankovic. I do. He's he's a little more athletic than Vrank, but he's a stiff who has to be chained to the post or the lane. He can play the high post a bit. He actually played the high post quite a bit for Columbia. He scored 11 points a game in the Ivy as one of the biggest, strongest players in the Ivy League. That's not a good sign, man. Like, give me, like, a Donald Foyle who's going to take over... In in a small conference like that, somebody who absolutely is the best player in your conference, like when you have that size advantage and supposed quickness advantage, like, yeah, absolutely. Like to pay, he he doesn't move well. It's going to be difficult for him to move against bigger, better players in the ACC. He's got one season to, to get it right. That's it. One season to get it right. I mean, I don't know that he's going to garner a bunch of time, but I do think That if Mark Williams can't hack it right off the bat, which we've already talked about, my comparison for him is Casey Sanders. Then you got to have five more fouls to throw in there and to pay. He's five fouls because he fouls out a lot. That's another part of his game. So if if he fouls out a lot in the Ivy, man, come on, what's he going to do in the ACC? I like the kid a lot. I I just want to temper the expectations of Duke fans that this is not a grad transfer that's going to come in and totally transform your team. It's not. It's another body to throw in the post on defense and to keep Matt hurt from having to play somebody's number one post player. Like that's what that's for. Like that's five more fouls to keep Matt from having to do that. That's, that's a sign that's Matt's parents saying, look, we need a post player on this team. We don't believe in Mark Williams yet because he's a high school kid, blah, blah, blah. And so Kay goes into the grad transfer train, which he never does. And look what happens. So it's a sign to me that, that they're trying to show the hurt family that we need Matt next season and we're trying to show you that we're trying to help him play to his strengths by getting this guy. Like, that's it's a clear sign to me.
0: Yeah, I can't argue that. Uh, you're absolutely correct about that. Like, to me, and, you know, you and I have talked about this on the side, about how the person can pay. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that he's going to be my new Javin. He's gonna be new job where, you know you, you come in you give you give her five pounds and that's it. That's what it is. Do you think that's he's gonna
1: pick up the chest pad? You think he's gonna watch state?
0: Okay. <laughs> anyway. All right, moving on.
1: Alright,
0: so Whew. on a more serious note, we uh we obviously didn't get the chance to watch this blue team uh in the ACC tournament or the NCA tournament. We have uh A guy that was, you know, the ACC player of the year, Trey Jones. The ACC defensive player of the year. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: A guy that was ready to lead his team into what could have been a greatness. Mm -hmm. But there was something that actually wasn't ready to be talked about was the evolution that was Mm J-Rob. So, AC, I want to ask you a question. Ooh. All right. Kyrie went down in 2011. Oh, God and he yeah. came back. And yeah. he, he came back. And he came back at the very end. hmm Which one was worse, AC? Mm. J-Rob not getting the chance or Kyrie coming back at the very, very end?
1: Ooh-wee. Good lord, man. Um. Yeah, I, I did it. I did it. I just threw there. Yeah, I, I did it. Oh my god. All right, man. Hard hitting questions today. Let's see here. Okay. Um. Let's let's talk about both for a second. Like Kyrie, I am I am firmly on in the path and thought process that it is extremely difficult to reintegrate a point guard after not having him for 20 plus games than it is to reintegrate a center case in point or for instance carlos boozer being reintegrated to the team in the tournament after he went down uh late in the season regular season for duke in 2001 easy to reintegrate a center you put him in you give him the ball like you used to like bottom line, like that team, they changed what they did from the three point line. But when he came back in against Maryland, especially and against Arizona, they went back to what that team did all regular season, which was spread the floor, let him go to work one-on-one in the post. And then everything else works itself out from the outside. A point guard is the guy with the ball. We saw it. Everyone saw it. Nolan Smith was not his best when Kyrie was on the floor. He just wasn't for the 11 games that Kyrie played. And then for the the 10 games that he played in the regular season and then the game against Arizona, Nolan was a shell of what he was as the ACC player of the year, so on and so forth. Like, that dude, when Kyrie went down, Nolan totally transformed himself because he is a rhythm player. Like, he's somebody who needs to be on the floor with the ball in his hands, making things work. That's why he kind of flamed out in the NBA the way he did. It's, he just, he's not that type of guy who can just come in and say, okay, I'll give you some efficient points in 10 minutes and then move on like that's not who he is so he he needed the ball he got it Kyrie needed the ball it's the same story for him in the league as well like you know it's just they're the same type of player so it didn't work with those two together in the backcourt j Rob so I I've, I've always been in the conversation with people where oh this team would go undefeated with Kyrie if he played the entire season for regular season I think so but that Arizona team I don't know man I don't know it's it's tough to say it it's tough to conjecture and say that we could go undefeated and and win the tournament with Kyrie on the roster. It's the same toughness to say we could go through and run, run the table in the NCAA with the team that we had this season with J Rob as an addition, but J Rob added more, not more, but he added something that this team needed more than what Kyrie added. Kyrie didn't add anything that we needed more of. It's just more scoring and more, more ball handling ability. Like J Rob added defense that we were lacking. He added rebound that we are lacking. He added three point shooting that we are lacking. So I'm kind of on the train of losing J Rob hurt more than losing Kyrie. Wow.
0: Um so Coach K came out there and said literally, if we if we had Kyrie the entire year, we probably would have gone undefeated, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm not I'm not that. crazy to that. Yeah. No, 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 he said so, that. He said
1: that. And, and I've been on that train. I've been on that train. Like I'm, I'm not leaving that train. Like Kyrie is such a good player. He was, he was a very good player. Okay.
0: Do you I think just, that we lost, uh, do you, no, tell me about, do you think that we yeah. lost that game against Arizona because of Kyrie?
1: I don't think it gave us our best chance to win. I can't say that we lost it because of him. Like we lost because our, our ACC player of the year and all American shit the bed. Like Nolan had a horrible game against Arizona. Woo. Uh but like, I, like that's you can't have that. Especially Woo. against a team like them. Like Arizona was on a mission that season. Like Woo. so yeah. I I, I Wait what, what 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 did what did Arizona do after that? Well they lost the next game, right? Okay.
0: So my question is what do you do if you're coach K? Do you hmm. not play Harry?
1: I mean K knows. He I mean he knows, like, you know what? You know what? Playing Kyrie did, and and I also believe this firmly. I think playing Kyrie and not holding him out continued the the one and done tra- tra- trajectory that he was on, and it kept guys coming to Duke that were one and done type players like Kyrie. Like it, it kept those guys there. There was no narrative of K holding him back, none of that stuff. It was he let him go, he let him do his thing. Kyrie scores thirty four in in the tournament, blah blah blah. I think it keeps that that trajectory going. So okay, 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 okay. So now we're gonna get
0: into a point where I've never thought we were gonna get to. Is the period? You think that K played him for the ability to get more one and dunks?
1: I think he played him because he's one. He was our our he was our best player. Bullshit! Bullshit! Bullshit!
0: You can't also say that if we play Kyrie, we're gonna be undefeated. And then also play him because we think that if I don't play him, we're not going to get other one-and-done players.
1: I mean, look, K, he has he has the wherewithal to know. Like, if we're talking about on this podcast, on, obviously he knows it. Reintegrating a point guard is stupid. Like, he knows that. Like, I don't think – I don't agree with that move of reintegrating a point guard that late in the season. I don't. I don't, especially knowing what it did to Nolan. Okay, I, okay. So I don't so, agree
0: with so, it. No, no, No. no let, let me stop you right there. So, again, I'm going to ask you the tough question. You in Kane's position would not have played Kyrie?
1: No. Bullshit. No. Answering the question. Bullshit. No, I would not play him. Bullshit. bullshit. Okay, you, Okay. don't take me on my word. I wouldn't play Kyrie. I would not play him. Bullshit. Call, bull, don't disagree with the comment, but don't call it bullshit. I'm not lying on the podcast about it. I wouldn't have played him.
0: Come on, man! You wouldn't have played the best player in America.
1: No, I would not have played him. I would have given it at least. I would have at least given it one more week of work of practice. How many was,
0: more right. weeks would it? How many more weeks? First of all, out. you have to realize that Kyrie was practicing with the team right. weeks
1: before that. Understandable. So obviously, okay. Kate saw something. Okay. There okay. That, so,
0: by the way, he was practicing before the ACC tournament. Sure. With the team. Sure. So you realize that that was happening. And so the yeah, team realized sure. what was going on. Do yeah. you, uh, okay, so I'm going to ask you again for the million mm-hmm. time. Do you really think that the reason that they lost was because Tyree played Come on, man.
1: What did it, how, how did, you t- go back and watch that game and tell me how that team looked? That was not the team we had all season. Not even close. Okay, and Tyree so went out and got by, his by the way, the, by best the player the way, in America I, got his. By the way, he, by he by was the nothing but a glorified end? Austin Rivers in that game.
0: Right, thank you. By the way, at the end of the first half, even when that guy hit that three, mm-hmm. Ryan Kelly in his face mm-hmm. from three feet or four feet out, mm-hmm. we were still up. Mm-hmm. We were still up. So there we were still playing. The story won. of
1: all of Duke's losses in the tournament. We're up at half. We won that for sure, by the way. Um, but having said
0: that, so obviously for the first 20 minutes, it was playing So why now, in the second half, is all of a sudden, they oh, Kyrie shouldn't have played. Bullshit. Give I'm me not a saying reason. we should have played in the first give, half. Give, give me a reason why Kyrie shouldn't have played.
1: Case in give point, reason number reason one. Number one, Nolan Smith. Like, number, Come that's on, the number one bullshit.
0: reason. That's a, that's a weak argument. That is, is a weak it? argument. You know it.
1: Okay, what's weak about it? What's weak about our number one player, Turning into a shell of himself. What was he? Four for thirteen for that game, or something like that. With four fouls. By the fouls? way,
0: how about Kyle Singler? How about Kyle Singler?
1: Hold on, I'm getting stats right now. Yes. Hold on, well, buddy.
0: Hey, well, by, by the way, why you grab them? Kyle Singler was terrible the entire season, and all of a sudden he was fantastic in the tournament, and that was because of Kyrie Irving. So don't Kyrie made me...
1: Kyrie made Mason Plumlee better. He didn't make Ky- he didn't make Kyle any better. Yes, he did. Ah, no, thank you. Uh, I can't, I can't listen her, to that story. Don't
0: tell me that. Come on now.
1: I can't listen to that story when Kyle was an All-ACC player all season. So you say to, for you to I say mean, he was not an player is, an, is an overstatement.
0: Bullshit. He was That not is a an huge All-ACC
1: overstatement. All-ACC
0: all Come on, man. You're
1: Four-time All-ACC player. You can't tell me he was not All-ACC because he was.
0: Don't, you know, first of all, don't be that guy where you're going to hit different things. That season. When Kyle Sindor was projected to be ACC player of the year. Sure. He was not he, he, he did he not wasn't. have an ACC player of the year. He did not on a season. But when Kyrie came back, he was fantastic.
1: Kyle was fine all season. Like he was he was the same player he oh, was. Shit. All no, he was not. Oh my goodness. What are the well, numbers, man? Oh my god. Like Okay, let's, like, do it. let's
0: do it. This is why people tune in to the ACC. It is. It is. This is why people tune in to the five point play podcast because we we're, we're going to go back and forth at each other. They want to know what is going on. One by one by one, they want to know what really happened. And AC, you're on the clock. What really happened? Kyle Singler.
1: Kyle Singler. All right. Let's look at Kyle. Let's let's break let's break Kyle's game logs down real quick. Let's just look at the Kyrie splits. Hold on. Let's do
0: it. And I'm sorry for everybody that is listening at home while AC is going through this, but the reality was. Alright, so let's look at the first ten knows... games of the
1: season. Go ahead. First first ten games of Kyrie, sixteen points first game, eight points second game, eighteen, fourteen, eleven. Thirty, there you go. There's there's a Kyrie game for you. Thirty points against who is that? Against Oregon, home homecoming game against Oregon. Fifteen, thirteen, seventeen, twenty-one. Okay, uh, I I don't see anything there that screams Kyrie made him an All American. All right, then we move forward. Okay, the he was next, already All American. Next next eleven he, he, he games. Okay,
0: most, he was the most outstanding player on the final four of the year before.
1: He was he was. Let's not forget that he was zero for ten against Baylor. Did Kyrie have who 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 caused that to happen? Right. So now we look at it, keep forward. 24 after that. This Kyrie is gone now at this point. 24, 27, 15, 14, 25, 20, 13, 18, 24, 14, 20, 22, 14, 10, 14, 2, 15, 28, 22, 18. Okay, 2. 2. So you hear two, but you don't hear 28. You don't hear 22. You don't hear 24. You no, don't hear, hear 20. Him. You don't I hear, 20. him, you not, don't you're hear not 24. You don't context. hear 25. You don't hear 27. You don't no, hear 24. You're not,
0: you're not giving the full context. So
1: one game mean. with two points is what you want to point no, out, no, even though you not, just talked not, about him being giving, Final you're Four you're MVP following, full, following an 0 for 10 performance. Don't give me that. That is a weak argument. Don't give me that. AC,
0: you're not giving me the full context. You're not giving the listeners the full context. Here we go. So don't tell me about the full the numbers that he had, but that, that's where that is what it is. Numbers in terms of like how many points he scored. Your coach, AC, you know yeah. that the number of points he scored doesn't truly reflect how is how you played in that game.
1: Would you like me to give you his 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 three point percentages because that's what he did. Go ahead. You want to hear those sixty percent fifty? This is post. This is no Kyrie. Okay. and then a couple sprinkle in. I'll give you the bad ones. 16%, 25%, 25%, another 16%, a 14%, and then an 0-for-1 performance against, who was that, against Temple. Okay, 0% there. Big deal. All right? I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Kyle was efficient all season. Efficient all season and then he went into AC, his AC, wall AC, in the tournament. AC. Like AC, AC,
0: you're you're a Duke fan, right? Sure. you 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 watched that season. Would you sure. tell me that Kyle Singer was efficient that entire season?
1: Yes, I would tell you that. I would no, tell you okay. and, I, and I already told you that. I already said this is the whole reason I'm looking his stats up for you. I already said he had an efficient <laughs> season. I already I'm said he was sure a good that season. Paul,
0: first of all, I'm pretty sure Kyle Senior was on this podcast right now he would tell us that he was not as as efficient as he was his junior year. Positive I can't tell
1: that. you any – I can't give you any more facts. I can't give you any you more know, facts about how good he was Duke,
0: the regular every, season. Every, every dude fan knows it. They saw the games. Come on, man. It, it, I'll, it was, I'll
1: let you talk yourself into this then, man. Please. I'm, I'm, I'm not, talk not talking myself into
0: anything. It. What I'm doing is telling the truth, and you're not telling what the What truth, truth are you market. telling?
1: So, so or- I'm reading off actual factual statements. Now, I'm not just saying we saw no, how he played. No, no, that no, was 10 no, years not. ago. You're, you're you remember everything nice. 10 years ago exactly as it was? Because the stats say <laughs> totally different. They say totally different. How, how, how can you argue that? I just gave you the splits. How can you argue that he didn't have an efficient season?
0: 45% from three in A-C, ACC
1: play. How can you A-C. tell me that wasn't efficient? Give me A-C. a break, man.
0: AC, when you were a fan... Back in the day, you know, when you sure. moved off of all the Virginia Tech stuff you were going on, <laughs> when you were a fan and you were sitting in a chair, when you watched that season, did you really believe in your heart of hearts that policy was efficient? No, you didn't. You did yes, not. Yes, I did. Which, and no, that's the which only you, reason no, that we which, even had no. a good season what after Kyrie believe, went down. What you believed was the best player in the world at that point was Nolan Smith. Was Seth Curry. Those guys. They
1: no. were the guys who carried us. No, Nolan Smith and not, Seth not, Curry carried us. Seth Curry carried us that season. Wrong. I didn't say wrong. That. No, I said Nolan Smith carried us. And then you added Seth Curry in there. And then nah. I said, Seth Curry,
0: yes. Yeah, wrong. And then Seth
1: Curry, yes. We had a two we had a two man team and it was Kyle Singler and Nolan Smith. Clearly proven the only two guys to oh, average shit. double figures on the season. The only two guys to average double figures on the season. The rest of the roster Andre Dawkins, Mason Plumley, Ryan Kelly, Miles Plumley, Tyler Thornton getting time at the end of the season because Kyrie went down. You told me I that am crew am was the crew that was making the am team am a, a number one seed in the tournament? Nah, I don't think so, bruh. Not without Kyle Singler playing well. Come on, man. It makes no All sense right. what you're saying. It makes no sense. Kyle had to play well, he had no choice. He had no choice. No choice but to play well for that team. And that's how that team ends up 32-5, and 32-4 heading to the tournament. No choice but to play well.
0: We're going down an alley. I love it.
1: I love it, man. This is what the podcast is about.
0: And by the way, by the way this, is, this is what the 5-point play podcast does. Because we argue about these things. Because to me, we have a lot to cover. But we only have a short show. So, AC, I want—I want to throw this to you. Next play. Are you ready for this? Are you sitting down? I'm—I'm I'm, I'm still sitting. Okay. I ran out of wine. How's that? Well, <laughs> yeah. How's that wine? How's that wine? Is it breathing right now? Is that wine breathing?
1: It's—it's—it's. It's, it's, it can't breathe inside me.
0: Okay. Very good. <laughs> okay. So, who would you rather have? Oh my God. AC, sit down. Who would you rather have? Rand Hill. Grant, Grant Hill, AC, right. or, <laughs> god, or, or or Zion Williamson.
1: God damn. Woo! Grant versus Zion. Man. Really? Like, god damn it. All right, how are we doing? So are we taking to
0: it? it? Are it. we t-
1: <laughs> Are we taking their best season? Is that how we're doing this? Because obviously, Grant no, Hill no. so, career. Like... So, a
0: okay. career. So, so, so let me phrase this. Um, if you had to project a career, project a career. So this is not like one support, game scenario. Absolutely not. If you, okay. Because we know how that would work. Obviously, you would take Grant Hill. But the reality is. No, no, no. No, no, no. Can I I, I finish, (laughs) AC? AC, can I finish? Can Uh, I I finish? Uh huh. So, what I'm saying is, over a four year career, we know what Grant Hill did, obviously. Amazing. That's why his numbers in the Raptors. Sure. If Zion, today's team, had the same four year career, who are you tipping?
1: I think that goes hand-in-hand hand with the question of, like, one game scenario, because, like, it's hard to say, like, who knows, Zion could have got hurt, whatever. Like, if, if all things – perfect universe, I think Zion goes down with a better college career than Grant because Grant's college career wasn't spectacular in terms of stats. He was an incredible all-around player and an incredible talent and really got to show himself in the NBA game. So I'm not, I'm, I'm not worried about his time with the Pistons. His time at Duke was very special. He led the team in that night. That uh, kind of a, a bad, a bad squad, really. That '94 squad. He led them to a national championship game. I, I love what he did. Ugh. He, he. God damn. God. And then who would Zion play with? Like that's like the like if he stays. Like what recruits are we getting? Because that's that changes things. I think a little bit for Zion. Because I think his game. His game kind of he needs he needs someone else on the court with him. <laughs>
0: I'll tell you God, what, man. No. First of all, if you really think about what Grant did, Whew. what Grant did, especially in that ninety four season, yeah, that might go down as one of the best performances of all of all time. I understand any, that we lost against football, which tells me to this day, but like that was one of the greatest single performances of all time for any mm-hmm. player.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree. I don't disagree at all. Oh man. Ah, oh, see that's that's the thing. I got. I can't like. So first, I'm, I'm taking I'm taking the championship game and stuff. I'm taking all the championship stuff out of it because Zion didn't win one. Like Grant won. He was on teams that won championships, so Grant wins. Like he clearly wins that that battle. Like that's not even a question. Like in terms of success, but Zion is just he's one of those players that just you don't see. You don't see it in college. You rarely see it in the pros. God, man. So I got to take it as like a one game because I can't. I don't know what his future would have been if he stayed two, three, four years. I don't know what he would have done with this team, quite honestly. Like, he would have done the same stuff he did. He would have got, he would have gobbled rebounds up. He would have thrown people's shots into the stands. He would have dunked on everyone. And maybe he would have hit a few more three pointers than he did last season. Like, I I don't know what else he could have done differently like that's that's him that's who he is that's who he's going to be for 15 to 20 more years in the nba like that's what he does but how would it affected this team Would it 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 clearly would have made this team better than anyone in the nation right like am i wrong in thinking that
0: no i I don't think you're wrong in thinking that i think that that's definitely right i you know zion is the guy he's 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 the conductor as we've always said in this podcast, uh-huh. he's the conductor. Having said that, if you put Grant Hill. Yeah, I got to go Grant. Yeah, you know, it's, it's tough because, because, you know, if you pick if you Grant Hill, um, how do you not pick Grant Hill?
1: Right. No, I got to go did Grant
0: ev- Hill. He did, he did everything. He did everything. And, you know, one of my favorite games when I was growing up. And you know, I'm 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 thirty-seven now. One of the things that I was always thinking about when I was watching pass through games during this quarantine program mm-hmm. was nobody was better than Grant than facilitating. Grant mm-hmm. could do everything. He could do everything. So Grant, when he was on the court, especially right. in ninety four, when they asked him, remember AC you remember yeah. One dog, Big Robinson. Big dog. He was the big dog, right? He was the player of the year. He was the best player of all time. You now, he was the man. And who shut him down? Grant yep. Hill. Grant yep. Hill shut him down. And I'm not putting down Zion. I'm just looking at Rand Hill and what he was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Zion was amazing. Everybody knows that. Mm-hmm. Zion can do it all. But the reality was, Grant Hill really could do it all. He could handle the ball. He could be the point guard. He could be the point forward. He could be the distributor. He could be the scorer. He could be the defender. Whatever yep. you needed Grant Hill to do, he did, and he proved it. Yep. So, come to my head, who would I rather have in college? I'm sorry, the conductor. I'm going to take Grant Hill.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. He Grant Hill, you could you could drop Grant Hill on any Duke team in history, I think. and I think make, that's right. He would make that squad a championship contender every single time. I think Zion, you could put him on any team in Duke history, and he would fit in because of the way he loves his teammates and the way he loves his enthusiasm to play the game. But he is the type of player that inhibits – let's say a carlos boozer from doing what boozer does down low because zion also has to be around the paint which in turn inhibits what jason williams was able to do in terms of driving the ball and getting to the basket like i i, I just i think grant you you i think grant is the most talented player that duke has ever had bar none hands down and i don't ever see that changing cuz we're not going to get players to stick around long enough number 1 to see it change these talented players were getting his freshman. And then number two, he, he was just that he was surely that special of a player. Like, that's just – that's how it goes. Like, the best player that Duke's ever had, period. And I was ready
0: to end this podcast, but I'm going to ask you this question. Who's the closest person to Grant Hill that we've had recent memory, recent memory that we've had at Grant Hill?
1: In terms of resembling style of play or impact?
0: Both. But to me to Impact. me jumps out of the, to me it jumps out of the page. Like I know right. who it is.
1: Grant so like Grant's the best player for he was the best player for Duke for four years. Like he, he was the most talented player for Duke for four years. God, I don't know that we've had anybody that did that.
0: To me, to me, to me it's no question. It's Jason Tatum. Ooh! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Might <laughs> drop might drop might drop Jason Tatum. Wow. To Tatum me, was, Jason Tatum, Tatum was amazing.
1: Personified
0: everything that Grant was, and we oh, had but but Tatum, Tatum was but
1: wait a minute, Tatum was a ball hog in December or so they say, right? Ooh. Isn't that what everybody
0: says? Oh, I don't I don't now. say that.
1: I don't say that. no,
0: no, <laughs> we have what we're going to talk about is the next podcast.
1: And <laughs> now to, we have a lot of
0: Word AC. I'll tell you what, I was worried about the next podcast. would we have enough information to cover the next podcast? But now we have it. Here we go. Even Jason Tatum and Grant Hill in the same or I don't even know. But I, wa- I will tell you this. Duke, we are with you. I love you. Go Go Duke.
1: Go Duke. Thank you for tuning in to the Five Point Play Podcast, the number one Duke fans podcast. Check us out at Instagram at Five Point Play Podcast. That's the number Five Point Play Podcast. And on Twitter, Five Point Play Podcast. Go Duke!